And welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I am your host, Sean Fry. And at this point, you're just a co-host, man. My <laughs> guest today is Athletic Director at Parsons High School, Rob Barkus. Rob, welcome back. Uh, you're just, I'm just going to have you, like, fill in for me as guest host <laughs> at certain points. Man. Like, I'm just going to text you, like, earlier in the week, be like, hey, do The War Room for me this week. You might as well. <laughs> nice to be here, Sean. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> Uh, it, this past week for Parsons, it, it was a, by and large, a very cool, fun week for the Vikings all across the board. One exception being the Parsons girls game in their loss, uh, to Labette County on Saturday evening. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but I've want to start with Isaiah Tyson, uh, great defensive end for the Vikings this past fall. Uh, he just signed with Fort Hayes state. He just got signed. He just got selected to the Shrine Bowl. He was a replace. He was a quote unquote replacement player. So he's filling in for someone who's not going to go to the Shrine Bowl. But he had to have been the first one off because he got selected within a week or two of the initial rosters coming out. I voted for him, and I know two other media members that voted for him. There's kind of we're all in kind of like a group chat around the state, yeah. and we all t- and we put our and when we were filling out our ballots, we were like, "Hey, who do, who are we voting? Who do you want to vote for?" Because uh, the Shrine Bowl rules say you can't have a clearly locally favored ballot. Like, I can't have a whole ballot of Parsons and Labette County and Erie kids. Otherwise, right. they'll toss it. So I, I generally try to put three or four on there between my coverage area schools. And then I, I'll i ask all the other writers, hey, who are you guys voting for? Because we're essentially trying to get everybody in that we want. And so I know of th- I know of at least two of them that picked up Isaiah. And I was so that was why I was surprised he didn't get selected initially. Gets selected to the Shrine Bowl. He is. He had a fantastic season, and now he signed to Fort Hayes State. Talk to me about Isaiah Tyson and what and what it means for what you've seen out of him uh, this in his senior year. Uh, Isaiah is a kid that you know when he was a freshman sophomore. We talked about if he would ever grow into his body. You know he was going to be a a major prospect, and and started towards about the middle of his junior year. He started being really physical and realizing how good he could be. Uh, he got in this summer and got in the weight room, got bigger and stronger. Uh, a lot of it was uh, just growing into your body when you hit, you know, six four, whatever he is, so quick. He was pretty tall, pretty quick. So he just kind of filled out and uh, just got stronger and faster and uh, worked hard. I mean, he's just a hardworking, quiet kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have this theory about Isaiah. I think he broke it. I I I, antici- I don't want to say I anticipated a breakout because he exceeded even my expectations uh, in his football season, and I thought he would like. I thought he would improve very good, and he would be a very quality player for Parsons. But he ended up being almost unstoppable in a lot of those games. He was he was the best player on the field a lot of nights, um, and I didn't quite see that. But uh, I think he I, I sniffed a breakout. Right, I, I think his turnaround happened at the regional track meet in the spring in his junior year. He was not seated to make the state tournament. He wasn't seated to finish in that top four. And if I'm, and I know the top four is essentially finals. I'm pretty sure he wasn't even seated maybe in the top eight. He had not had any, by any stretch, uh, you know, a notable track season. Uh, goes into the shot put competition, shot put, right? Yes. Yeah, it goes into the shot put and has a great day at regionals up in... It's not Fredonia, but it is a yellow and gold school. Um, Payola. Payola. Goes to Payola, and I believe takes third or fourth in the shot put, so he t- punches his ticket to state. And then 
he has another great day, another PR day at state and gets on the medal stand. And this was, and if I remember correctly, it wasn't some eighth place finish. I believe he was not the last person on the medal stand either. He was what? Six, six, six. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think when you have a kid that has, you know, we're talking athletics and when, when he's trying to find his athletic, his or hers athletic identity and you go to state track and you get on that medal stand and you see to yourself, okay, all these kids that made it to state that are already among the best of the best in terms of just someone, someone who's fast or strong, that I'm better than all of these kids, you start to believe. And, I, you know, I've seen it before. I think the best example I have is Mariah Monroy. She was a great athlete at Cherryville, but then she goes and wins a triple jump state title like, kind of out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, you know, she became one of the best athletes in the area you were that was your last season as track coach for Parsons. Uh, was watching Isaiah do that at state. What did you maybe see in him in Wichita? Uh, you know, funny story. Uh, going into the regional week, I'd kind of, as you said, he didn't had a, he hadn't had a great throwing season. And uh, Coach Miller, Coach Bar Miller's our throwing coach, and I was yeah. giving him a little bit of trouble about how you know none of our throwers had been placing. <laughs> and he told me heading into that week, he goes, Isaiah Tyson's going to go to state. You know, like I said, he he hadn't had it. He hadn't had he a hadn't good year. In the top four of a no. single meet. I don't think. And so, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then, lo and behold, uh, K- Coach Cato saw it in practice. You know, I'm not over with the throwers, and I was like, you know, he's just building his kid up, building his kid up, and mm-hmm. then qualifies for state, and he tells me all that next week. Oh, he's gonna medal at state <laughs> again. I'm like, come on. He had a good day at regional. You know, he's not yeah. shown this all year. And he goes, mark my words, and then. I think the second throw out of state, he threw far enough where we knew he was going to make the finals of the medal. It was a, a credit to Coach Coach Bar Miller uh, mm-hmm. building that kid up and yeah. and working him and believing in him that that yeah. that something like that happened. You, you you work with kids a lot more than I do. Do you think that uh, that's when it maybe started to click for Isaiah that he could be something special? I, I think so. I think that was uh, two very important weeks in his athletic development. Those two weeks uh, qualifying for state and then, like you said, out of nowhere, he wasn't even. Slated to make the finals, and I mean, he was, I, he might have been seated like fifteen. Or yeah, 16th, his honestly. second his second throw was unbelievable and yep. just unbelievable. It was an unbelievable moment between Coach Miller and him too. Oh yeah, you say unbelievable moment. Why is that? You know, I think the only two that thought he had a chance <laughs> to medal were those two people. You yeah. know, I mean, when you look at the distances, and mm-hmm. you know, you think, okay, if he has a good day, he might, you know, he might squeak in at eighth or ninth, maybe a really good day, but. Coach Miller told me all week, you know, every day I talked to him, he's going to go to, he's going to medal. He's going to medal. And he did. And there were four other football players that are now committed to continuing their career off that Parsons team that had such a resurgent season. Yes. You have Deion Sylvester joining Isaiah at Fort Hay State, and you have uh, Stephen Knapper and Trey Russ, if I'm not mistaken. Trey yes. Russ going to Independence Community College. Last chance you. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just uh, what's your take on You now have four guys off that team that are signed. W- without being too, I don't want to seem too negative, but, and it's not just Parsons, it's every school in this area. There is a stigma, I think, of kids from this area. I, they, they struggle when they get to college just because. Uh, and a lot of them don't make it to that first semester. They maybe don't make it the full year. What do you see in those four kids and what they could do at the next level? Uh, those those four kids worked a lot of uh, extra time this summer. You'd go out to the, uh, the practice field or the field by the practice field because we try to stay off that for 
you know, the useful purposes. And we're going to use it all season. So beside the practice field there outside, they'd been there in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd go in there in the afternoon, the heat of the day. Uh, Trey Russ, Dion, and Napper were there four to five days a week. So uh, they worked very hard in the offseason to get where they were. Yeah, good for them. Uh, it's such an exciting time uh, for Parsons, uh, and it's uh, it, it's great to see what Jeff Shivey has done. You know, he told me in his interview when I called him and talked to him about Isaiah making the Shrine Bowl, doing it for my report for the Parsons' son, he was like, I'm going to get a bus, and we are going to bring fans and the entire team to Pittsburgh to watch him play. You think that's actually you think that's going to come to fruition? Uh, I think that's going to come. Um, we're going to have some fans over there for Isaiah, yeah. and then and then I'm sure. Uh, and you're Fort sitting there Hayes, going, where was my bus for Tanner? <laughs> no, when a, when a Fort Hayes game comes, uh, you know they're going to play. Fort, Fort Hayes is going to play. I don't know if they play at Pitt or mm-hmm. when they play Pitt, but I'm sure Jeff's going to get some kids up to watch that game also. Oh yeah. Hopefully this is a kind of a building block to get Fort Hayes out out you know down here more to recruit some of our kids. Mm-hmm. And that'll be an excellent opportunity. I think Isaiah has a great opportunity. And Dion, I mean, his his speed and his vision, his vision, you know, if we're going to compare it to anybody from Parsons football in the last few years, I, I honestly think his vision is up there with Daquan Johnson, his ability to just kind of read the field and find the creases and and get yards when it looks like a play's bottled up. His size, his size he's always going to be discredited for his size, and there, there's some validity to that. But, man, he, he's fast, and I think I'm, one, I'm curious how what his role will be um, at the college level. One thing before we go to break, and this will be um, already old news within hours of the show coming out, but you have an interesting wrestling duel on Monday. Uh, it is the Battle of 59, Erie, the Tri-Valley League champion Erie, by the way. They just won a yes. league title. That was their. Here's what's crazy about the Erie wrestling, boys wrestling program winning that Tri-Valley League title. That's their first, they, they started the wrestling program in 2007. That's the first time the Erie wrestling program has ever won a tournament. Not just league. What a time to win. What a time to win. That's exactly what Coach Will yes. Weber said. Great wrestling coach over there, by the way. He, I mean, he loves it. I, If I call him for an interview, I'm sitting there for 20 minutes listening to him ramble on and on. And, you know, while, yes, do I have other things to do, I'll take a coach that rambles on and on, and I can tell they just love it every day of the week. Battle of 59 uh, between Erie and Parsons, a wrestling duel on Monday uh, and Will Weber, the Erie coach, he's very adamant that this is about promoting the sport. I know Parsons Wrestling is in a – we talk a lot about the softball program on this program, you and I, before. I think wrestling's in a similar spot that where they they have they need a, a hard rebuild, and I know uh, Coach uh, Wiles is working hard on that. What is what is the Battle of 59? Tell the, tell the listeners about it and what that represents, you think. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Coach Wiles came to me with an idea of – of having a wrestling duel start at 2.30 uh, where we could get some kids out of class, uh, teachers that wanted to bring their kids to the, to the gym uh, to watch some wrestling and maybe pique some interest because Coach is working very hard to, to build the wrestling program back up. So uh, talk to Mr. Francis down, shouldn't say down at Erie, that sounds, <laughs> in Erie. And, uh, you know, we both agreed this would be a good, uh, a good deal for both schools. Uh, they're going to bring a couple girls down to do an exhibition, so... Yeah. Maybe some of our girls can see that and know that there's a spot for them on the wrestling program also. The, the girls wrestling girls wrestling obviously a new sport. I think it's in its second or third <laughs> year of officially being sanctioned by Keisha. Uh it was unofficially competing, you know, for a few years before that. Obviously in, you know I know I know it's your arch rival, but Abby Jones at Lebec County was one of the 
trailblazers in the state. Certainly the trailblazer in this area. Yeah, she uh, was a Baker University. She's uh, the NIA, of the week, NAIA so. wrestler of the week. Yeah. in the in the country. She's had a great freshman season. Absolutely, doing just a fantastic job. Uh, I'm excited for that battle of 59. And there's apparently there's like a trophy or something like that or or a plaque. I, I'm not aware of that. That must be between the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listeners, if you go to the Battle of 59 on Monday and there's no plaque, I apologize for the <laughs> fake news there. Uh, Rob, we'll go to a quick break, and then we'll talk some basketball. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be right back here on the War Room. Don't go anywhere. We are back here on the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, joined by co-host and Parsons <laughs> Athletic Director, Rob Barkus. Rob uh, we were talk- we're obviously talking a lot about Parsons Athletics right now, and we, we cannot talk about the two basketball teams. Uh, so I'll let you choose. You want to talk about the boys and how they're, they've won four of their last five, or the girls and how they're, they're fighting for what could be a, a home playoff game and potentially two of them. Who do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the girls. All righty. Uh, the Parsons girls, uh, uh, they are 10-5 and five right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they're 10-5 yes. and five right now. Uh, just an... Uh, just a uh, an incredible turnaround season for the Vikings. Two of their losses of their five to Labette County. They won the Lancer Classic Tournament. Um, another loss is to Fort Scott. So three of their five losses are to teams ranked above them in Class 4A right now. Uh, and But at the same time, I think the Parsons girls are in a unique spot right now. Uh, they've lost two of their last three. And they struggled with a Chanute team that has, that is 4-10 right now. Chanute's playing a lot better. Dustin Fox, I maintain, might bear, if you ask me to power rank all the head coaches on the girls' side of the SEK League, Dustin Fox might be number two for me behind only Christy Snyder at Labette County. Dustin Fox is a great coach, and he has that team playing a lot better. They gave Fort Scott some problems on Friday night. But uh, Parsons, they're, they're struggling in the paint right now, and that's where Labette County and Fort Scott love to live. And... Uh, and, and, and without a lot of without Parsons running the table and getting a lot of help, they're probably not going to win the league title. Still, ten and five, an incredible season. Their schedule eases up a little bit this week with Pittsburgh and Coffeyville, so they're going to get a chance to feel good about themselves. W- what are you kind of seeing in the Parsons girls? And I bet I bet the hallways for them are feeling a little better. Yeah, they're a good group of girls. Uh, practice hard every day. They're they're pleasure to be around at school. Uh, Coach Shabby, Coach Barry, Coach Odom. Uh, you know, they do a lot of teaching in that every practice I go to, there's a lot of teaching going on in those practice sessions. Um, and the girls have responded well to that. Um, like you said, they pretty much ran through the Lancer Classic. Uh, no offense to any of the teams they played, but they... Well, teams aren't bad. No, I they're mean, not they bad. Were... No, Like I said, not no. not taking anything away from those Erie's teams. Erie's a 500 team we, in a competitive league. Yeah, we played a really good three-game stretch there at that tournament. Uh, our girls... Uh, that first game we came out and tied their state record for threes made in a game, but yeah. that was broke like last week by someone out west. So really, yeah, that record got yeah. broken. Already got broken. That bre- that record had stood for like a decade. Yeah, someone out west uh, broke it. I did not know yeah. that. That that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Saturday, uh, I think heading into the game, we thought we had a, a you know a good chance to compete with Labette, and they just Labette came out and. I think they had five threes the first half. Yeah. And that's kind of uncharacteristic for them this year. Like mm-hmm. years past, they've been known for their three-point shooting, but they came out and just kind of caught fire against us and was yeah. uphill battle for our girls the rest of the way. And, and 
both teams, all four teams, boys and girls, that played Saturday, Parsons and Lebec County, no practice for any of those teams leading up to that game. It was going to be, I was very interested to see how both those games played out as a result of that. It looked like Lebec County had been in the gym all week. I mean, they were coming off their first loss in league play in three years. And you're thinking to yourself, all right, Lebec County might be a little vulnerable right now. They're coming off a loss and they haven't had time to address it. Let's go get them. They just, they just played so well. And I think Parsons is in a unique spot right now where, and I want to be clear with the fact that they're in a unique spot because they've earned it. Yes, so yes, the type have. of criticism I might levy right now is criticism they've earned. And it's criticism I wouldn't have levied the last two years. The last two years, they just weren't a competitive program, so you were looking to the future. Well, the future is now. Parsons is in a situation where they had such a hot start to the year, they're not catching anybody by surprise anymore. Teams have started to figure out that we need to stretch our defense, we need to stretch out to the perimeter, play a lot of man probably, and we, and if we can win the bat, and if we can do that and win the battle inside, which I don't think Parsons has won the battle inside a lot this year, we're going to have a good chance against them. You saw that with Fort Scott. You see that with Lebec County. Now, granted, that's where Fort Scott and Lebec County thrive is yes. their posts. So, I mean, it, it was strength versus weakness there. So you don't want to be too critical. But you, you've been a coach for the Parsons Girls program before. You've been you've been involved in athletics. When you have a team that is having a turnaround season and wants to continue making that climb upward, but now you're in that kind of – you've stalled a little bit. How do you rev it back up and, and keep the momentum up? I think coach has to really stress to them the importance of getting one, possibly two home playoff games. Yeah. Uh, you know, last year we had the play in game, but that's, that's not, that, that that's, doesn't count. <laughs> that's not a true play playoff game. So I think if uh, coach Shibe stresses the importance of getting two games at home, uh, you get that home crowd behind us, uh, you know, there's anything can happen when you yeah. get home games, especially in sub-state basketball. So here's the standings as they stand right now, and I won't go through the whole of them. I'll run through about the top. I'll run through the top eight because the top eight are guaranteed at least one home playoff game, and the top four are guaranteed two, assuming everybody wins, assuming right. all the top seeds win. Well, Migo is number one right now on the east side of Class Four A. They're at thirteen and one. Eudora is at eleven and one. Bishop Meage is at eleven and two. They're a three seed. Labette County is your four seed at eleven and three. They're tied with Fort Scott, who is also eleven and three at the five seed. They have the head-to-head advantage over them right now. They play again later this week. That'll be a critical game. Very important game down in Altamont. That'll be a huge game. Parsons is your six seed right now at ten and five. Ottawa is eight and four below them, so they're only so they have fewer losses than Parsons, but two fewer wins. So they get so Parsons has the edge right now. But if Ottawa, in theory, if Ottawa were to run the table, they would pass Parsons. Holton is at nine and six, and then Payola is at eight and six, and that I believe that's up to your nine seed now. Yeah. So. Part like I said, Parsons' schedule eases a little bit. They're going to be blessed with playing Pittsburgh and Coffeyville. This week, just simply because we, no offense to either of those schools, they're down this year, and I think with what Parsons has shown, they're they're a loss in either of those two games would be a catastrophe for It'd Parsons. A, something upset, will, yes. something will have gone wrong, and so if Parsons get those two wins, all of a sudden you can probably put some cushion on it. What you might really be chasing is that five seed with Fort Scott, where you're a game and a half behind them, and right now don't have the head to head. Fort Scott has a tough schedule down the road, though. They're, even though the schedules are almost kind of the same, Parsons is very blessed with the fact that both Labette County games are now behind them. Yes. Fort Scott has Labette County and Independence and a Lewisburg game thrown in there. Um, I don't know what Lewisburg's been doing this year. Let me check. 
Um, Lewisburg is at six and seven, so uh, not a uh, you know certainly a, that's going to be a tough game for Fort yes, Scott. Regardless, definitely. we know the type of teams Lewisburg plays. Yes, so. Uh, if Parsons can go past Fort Scott, not only would you avoid a potential sub-state championship game against Bishop Meage, which we all know what that would, what, what the type the type of game that might end up being and what the implications of that are. If you move into the five seed, you would be matched up with Labette County, and you would get the you would get one of the easier first round games. You would get a very favorable first round game, and then you're going to go to Labette County. In uh, in your subset championship now, obviously going to Lebet County has a tall order, but a lot of your fans are going to be at that atmosphere would be rocking. Yeah, on and, there. and you know we played them competitively the first time we played, so I don't think it's uh, a game where we would feel overmatched. Then, so I think it would be. A good, I don't think that, good game. just because Lebet County won fairly handily on Saturday, I don't think that game is. I don't think that's a team. I think it's tough to beat two a competitive team three times in a yeah, row. I agree. I mean, I'm you know. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I might pick Parsons in that game. It, just simply because, man, Parsons is too good to be beaten three times by a team that's not that much better than them. Lebet County's better than them, but they're not Bishop Age better than them. They're not Derby better than them. Uh, and then on the boys' side, let's move on to the boys. The Parsons boys, winners of four of their last five. What a run! And really, it should be five out of should five. five. Out of, it should yeah. be five out of five. They dropped an eighteen point fourth quarter lead to Baxter Springs. That one's going to sting, based on what we're talking about right now. But before we talk about some playoff seedings, what? Why do you think the Parsons boys are starting to finally click? Uh, I think we're getting fully healthy. Uh, Coach has developed his rotation a little bit more. Uh, early in the season, we had some kids hurt, some kids out. Uh, had a couple COVID issues. Uh, just getting a reliable rotation. He feels mm-hmm. comfortable playing. Uh, made a big difference. Absolutely. Let's run through the boys' 4A East sub-state standings right now. Um, Eudora is number one. They're, so they're number one on both the boys and the girls. Must be fun to be Eudora yes, right now. must be. Uh, must be fun to be Bishop Meage. They're number two at 12-3. and three. Payola is your third seed at 10-4. and four. Wamigo is your fourth seed at 8-5. and five. So there's your top four. Uh, Holton at number five, they're nine and six. Tonganoxie, they're number six at also nine and six. Atchison at number seven, they're eight and six. Labette County is number eight at seven and seven. That's kind of your line right there. Yeah. Is that number eight? Because then you get a home playoff game in the first round. Uh, number nine seed, Independence at six and eight. Chanute, number 10 at six and eight. Baldwin at number 11 at six and eight. Coffeeville at number 12. Was I at number 12? Yeah. Number 12 at five and nine. Number 13 is Parsons at five and 10. So if you're looking at the climb from 13 to eight, that seems like a lot. Here's four of the team. Here's so here's four of the teams that are above you. All league teams in Labette County, Independence, Chanute, and Coffeeville. You play three of them in Independence, Chanute, and Coffeeville. You've already beaten two of them in Chanute and Coffeeville, and you lost to Independence in overtime on the road. Yeah. Baldwin's the wild card in there, but Labette County's schedule doesn't no favors either. They're seven and seven, and Parsons is five and ten. So you're only two and a half games back. Yeah. You're only two and a half games back, and they have a home game against Chanute, which not going to be easy. A trip to a home game against Fort Scott, I'll give them the win there. Um, a Dare High School out of Oklahoma, I have no idea what they're about. They could be the 6A state champions or the 1A winless team. I, they could be anywhere in that spectrum for me. Uh, Pittsburgh. 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 <laughs> um, and then their last sub-state game that will probably count for sub-state seedings is a road trip to Coffeeville. So if you wanted to catch Lebet County, you probably need them to drop three. 
we highlighted three. I don't see three definite losses in there, but I see three games that might not go their way. Right. And if you beat Chanute, Labette County, and if you, I'm sorry, if you beat Independence, Chanute, and Coffeyville, you're probably going to pass them anyway. Baldwin's your wild card. We know Baldwin probably plays a tougher schedule than any of the schedules we listed off. I don't think it's out of line for Parsons to get that number 18 and all of a sudden get a home playoff game. No, it's it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Absolutely. And let's say they don't get that number 8 seed in a home playoff game. If they continue staying hot, they're going to keep climbing and climbing, and they might avoid the Eudora and Bishop Meages of the world, and they might get matched up in that second if they were to win their first round. They might get matched up against a Payola or a Wamigo. And all of a sudden, that becomes a winnable game. Yeah, oh, definitely. With the, uh, you know, we have some younger players. I think we talked about our slow start. We also had a lot of sophomores playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get in the league schedule, well, when you start out with Circle and Collegiate, you know, that's <laughs> That might tough. have been the hardest schedule in class. I think that was the hardest schedule in class. And then you four, get right? into our league schedule. Uh, that's asking those sophomores to grow up pretty quickly. Uh, kind of what the girls are doing. I mean, yeah. they're doing it with sophomores too, but. Both coaches have both teams playing well. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that'll do it uh, for the War Room. Any uh, last messages before we get out of here, Rob? Uh, nope. Tanner doing well? Tanner's doing well. Every, every one of your children doing well? Every one of my children are doing well. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, that'll do it for the War Room. Uh, if you're mad about the Chiefs' loss to the Bengals, blame Rob. He was there. It's never good <laughs> luck anytime Rob goes anywhere. So uh, that'll do it for the War Room. Thanks, and God bless.